Charles? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Alchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. Thank you, Lenny. All right. That brings us to starting the uh, the hearing with the continued item number one, City Planning Commission for a text amendment to section 11-27 Park Place Residential Overlay District of the City Zoning Ordinance in order to clarify the development restriction that prohibits front-loading attached garages. Bobby. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, this request is to amend the Park Place Residential Overlay District in order to clarify uh, the current existing development standards and to uh, prohibit front-loading attached garages as requested by the Park Place Civic League. Uh, just a little bit of background on the overlay district itself. In 1999, the Park Place Residential Overlay was adopted. Uh, the intent of that district was to help to uh, preserve the existing character of the neighborhood. Um, in that text amendment, it did uh, have language, although very brief language, um, on how um, buildings should be constructed in the overlay district. Um, the intent of that overlay district was to prevent uh, front-loaded garages by requiring buildings to be built up closer to the street. Uh, it has a setback requirement of between 12 to 15 feet for the, for the front yard of the house. Um, 1990 to present, unfortunately, there have been um, some homes built with front-loaded garages. Um, because of the lack of clarity in the existing text, uh, there have been errors made. And uh, because of that, um, in August 2016, the Park Place Civic League, along with the Healthy Neighborhood Enterprises, um, sent a letter requesting that the uh, overlay be amended to clearly uh, call out that front-loaded attached garages are prohibited in the Park Place Residential Overlay District. Again, I will again clarify that the required setback within this existing district does not allow for uh, front-loaded garages because it does not leave enough room to have legal access uh, and a driveway to a residence. Okay, because there is a build to or a front yard minimum and maximum standard of 12 to 15 feet. Um, in January and February of this year, uh, presentations were made to the community to clarify the request to make sure that we were on the same page. Uh, on February 6th, the Civic League did a vote to not allow single family homes uh, with any type of uh, attached front loaded garage. On March 14th, um, after the item was continued from last month uh, to allow for further discussion and to uh, allow for uh, parties to review it, the Park Place Civic League requested that the amendment remove all other development standards uh, that are not related to the existing regulations. Uh, staff made the uh, adjusted the text to remove all the additional development standards that don't directly associate with the existing language um, as far as build to line and, uh, and other things that we interpret based off of the existing code. Uh, through the zoning ordinance. On March 20th, uh, staff held uh, a meeting with Tidewater Builders Association to discuss the changes. Uh, on March 21st, uh, a meeting was held with TBA and the Park Place uh, Civic League leaders. It was the Park Place president and uh, vice president. Um, there was some fruitful discussion. Uh, there was, uh, at that meeting, uh, the Civic League uh, representatives did say that they were not in a position to uh, request a further continuance because they're uh, community had already voted on the request to continue to move forward to prohibit front-loaded garages expressly in the code. Um, there was discussion from the Tidewater Bill Association to allow for further discussion to have a long-term vision and, and discussion of what structures could be built in the neighborhood. 
So just again to clarify, the proposed text um, expressly uh, prohibits front-loaded attached garages. Uh, it does clarify the build tune line that's currently in the code. It does say right now there's a, a minimum and maximum front yard requirement uh, per the existing code. Uh, it's helped. It's used to try to clarify that to to make sure that the it's between 12 to 15 feet so that it's clear. Um, driveways again because of the way the setback is currently set up, driveways are not permitted by the zoning because you cannot fit a legal parking space between the existing home where the home is required to be located and the front property line. So as we have enforced, you can't put a you can't have a driveway between there. So we again to clarify so that it, these issues aren't missed again um, by zoning staff uh, during the reviews is to clarify that uh, driveways between the front of the residence and the front property line or the street is, are not permitted. Um, uh, again, just to clarify, the, the request does center around just the existing text and covers the request from the Park Place civically um, to, to uh, prohibit, expressly prohibit front-loaded uh, front attached garages. Uh, because this is clarifying the existing text, uh, staff does recommend approval of the request. Thank you, Bobby. Any questions of Mr. Tahan, commissioners? Bobby, before you go, how long have we been working on this concept? Uh, how long have we been working with the Park Place Civic League on this particular item? Their initial application came in August. Uh, of 16? Of 2016, yes, sir. I, I, I'd just like to have, clarify, and you said it three times, I'll do it one more time to be clear. We're not changing any of the ordinance that's not already there now. We're just putting clarifications in. Is that correct? That is correct. We're not adding any more stipulations or there, anything? There is one, again, I'll, and I'll, I'll add this. If you can take a look in, in your packets, uh, commissioners, um, or in the, your Dropbox, the existing text um, just expressly says that all front facades of buildings shall be between 12 and 15 feet. Um, we did realize there were some errors in, again, how that plan was reviewed by planning staff and zoning staff at the time. To allow for some variation off of that, um, we did allow for uh, between for up to uh, essentially 25% of the building can go past the 12 to 15 feet. It was just to help a little bit to uh, to clarify so that there is some architectural dimension to uh, to the homes. Um, it's just a first step at this moment, just to allow for that to to be. Addressed. So, so you're saying that the house must be with within 12 and 15 feet off the front of the property line. Correct. But you're allowing 25%. It can go deeper than that. Is That's, that what you're saying? That is correct. Right now, the code says it's only between the whole front facade is between 12 to 15 feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're we're trying to allow for a little bit of architectural feature. And again, that was because there have been multiple errors. More errors in the fact that the architectural feature itself. Um, has been missed by zoning staff. So that sounds like to me you're actually giving voters more options by, by putting that, that is correct. piece in there. Okay. Any other questions or comment, commissioners? Thank you, Bobby. Uh, here to speak in favor of this application, Mr. Charles Johnson. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Charles E. Johnson, Jr., and I live at 3226 Omohundro Avenue. I am presently the president of the Park Place Civic League, and I came to you at the last Civic League, I mean, at the last planning commission meeting, and at that time, I noted to you that the Civic League had voted 
in reference to not having any attached uh, front-loaded garages in the Park Place area. I'm back here today to say we are supporting that same idea. I would like to note to you that in representing the Park Place uh, Civic League, we represent four distinct historical areas. We have Kensington, we have Old Dominion Place, we have Virginia Place, and we have Park Place, all which were created at the turn of the 20th century. Because of that, the architectural style, uh, the consistent standards of that area, we were hoping to keep. As many of you may know, since 1977, I think it is, there have been notable changes in Park Place in reference to new buildings that have gone in as infield. They do not meet the architectural standard, and they have bring, they brought in some problems, and Park Place had a decline. In 1999, as noted, the plan for the um, residential overlay plan was submitted. I was not in Park Place at that time. I've been in Park Place for approximately 12 years. In that time frame, I've served on the Park Place Civic League, and in 2016, I was elected as the president, and at that time, we had a board retreat. It was in the summertime. And during that retreat, we reviewed our bylaws. We also reviewed several papers that had been submitted that would affect Park Place. One of those papers was the overlay plan. We looked at the overlay plan, and we felt that the overlay plan definitely covered the goal of the Park Place purpose. And that purpose was to conserve the architectural integrity of our community, but also make sure there would be future growth that would be consistent. We looked at another section, which I think is 12-27.2, and we realized that it was not clear at that point. So we requested to the planning department that there be some type of clarification, because we had heard from the former officers of the Civic League, we'd also heard from the planning department that this section was an intent, that there would not be any front-loaded garages, but it was not stated. So we wanted that type of clarification. That's what we requested. And the words that we applied to it was, there will be no attached front load garages in Park Place. And at that time, it was submitted. And the planning department came back to us and said, well, we'll go through the process, but you need to bring it before your Civic League and allow them to vote on it. Well, from September through November, we had different things that were going on. And we did not get around to actually focusing on this issue. But in December, we said we need to bring this for the Park Place Civic League, let them discuss it, and vote on it. And at that time, it was decided in January that we would have a vote. But unfortunately, we had a snow. And then in February 6th, we did have a vote. And the vote was the majority was in favor of supporting the Tex Amendment. And that's where we are at this point. So I would say to you, because I have to close, that we, as a Civic League, are opposed to this. We did meet with the Tidewater Builders Association two days ago, and we had differences, we had similarities, and so forth, and we were willing to work along those lines, but we couldn't do anything at this time because of time constraints. We could not call a board meeting, we could not call a civic league meeting in two days to have another look at this issue. So we're going with the original uh, situation of having no attached garages in Park Place. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Any questions for Mr. Johnson, commissioners? Thank you, sir. Okay. Also here to speak in favor of this application, Tyros Patterson. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Close. <laughs> okay. Therese Patterson. Therese, yeah. thank you. Uh, 2901 Granby Street. Um, I am the executive director for Healthy Neighborhood Enterprises. 
Uh, we are a community development corporation that's solely <coughs> operating within Park Place. Uh, we were created to implement the visioning and engagement process, which we simply refer to as the VEP. Uh, the VEP is a blueprint for community revitalization. It was crafted by residents and a neighborhood consulting firm, CZB. Um, that process was paid for and ratified by the city of Norfolk. Um, the VEP is really a paradigm shift in neighborhood planning. Uh, the two-year process of establishing a, a strategy revealed the flaws in traditional planning that solely relied on infill development to build up the market. It also revealed that the work of revitalizing a neighborhood is multifold, that it would require building resident capacity to manage the neighborhood, um, that it would require working in partnership with codes and police to address disorder, that it would also require investment in exterior home repairs, and it would require the capital to acquire properties that have become a deterrent to private investment. Because of the stabilizing um, impact of the VEP and the Civic League efforts, there has been a boom in private investment, both in business and home development in Park Place. While the increase in single family market rate homes is certainly welcomed, over the last 10 years, the application of the existing overlay to help maintain the historic character of the neighborhood has not been consistently enforced. It has led to many new homes that are not in compliance and do not reflect the historic character of the, of the existing homes. We consider the historic character of the Park Place uh, community a marketable asset, as it is the reason many current Park Place residents moved to the area, including myself. We have had over 10 meetings with planning since August of uh, 2016 to the present to discuss amending the text of the overlay. Though greater enforcement by planning is certainly needed, we believe that the overlay as it is presently written is flawed and is open to misinterpretation by both planning and builders alike. As private investors continue to show interest in Park Place, I believe it is crucial that we have a solid framework for future development. We have consulted with realtors and we have consulted with builders about the proposed tax amendment. I've looked at other overlays in the city um, and across Virginia and actually believe what's being proposed today is quite modest. We have done our due diligence to make an informed decision and support the PPRO text amendment that's before you today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, also here in favor of this application, but does not wish to speak, Cheryl Doles. You hear Ms. Doles? That's probably why she doesn't wish to speak. Ms. Doles? Okay. All right, thank you, ma'am. Um, here to speak against this application, Paul Wallace. So, good afternoon. My name is Albert Viola. I'm chairman of the Municipal Affairs Committee for Norfolk or the Tidewater Builders Association. I'm here today representing the builders that build actively in downtown Norfolk and the uh, uh, transitional neighborhoods. We reached out to the planning department and we had a what I thought was a very cooperative meeting on Monday morning. Bobby was there and Jeremy uh, Sharp and we spoke to them about our concerns and our lack of involvement in the process of developing this overlay district. 
for some reason we were kind of left behind and we'd like to get involved and that's what this is about today. As builders, we build houses that people buy and move into. We can't build something that's not marketable. The overlay district as proposed states, the overlay district establishes yard requirements and lot sizes that reflect the existing conditions in Park Place. This book will show you, illustrate to you that there is over 63% of the neighborhood does not comply with what is being proposed. It's already there. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We just want to work with the Civic League and with the Planning Department and develop something that's balanced for the neighborhood, balanced for the builders, balanced for the buyers, and balanced for the Planning Department and the City of Norfolk. Our concern is, one of our concerns is the 75% rule. We're not quite sure how to understand that or interpret that. And in our meeting the other day on Bundy, and then again our meeting with the Civic League on Tuesday afternoon, there was a lot of confusion as to how this actually applies. I don't know if that is still involved in the ordinance. Is it still proposed in the ordinance, the 75% rule? Because I don't see it up on the board, but yet it's in the proposal that I have before me today. Is it still being considered? Bobby? It's in the proposed ordinance, yes. It's still in there. So, but it's not up there, but it's, it's, it's in the ordinance proposal. Okay. As the, as the pictures illustrate, 63% of the houses do not comply with that 75% rule. And our concern is that it, it restricts our ability to do architectural setbacks when you, when you only have three feet to play with, which is the... Mr. Viola, yes. perhaps there's a misunderstanding. The 75% rule, as you're referring to it, is an option. You can have 100% within that um, build-to line, or you can have any number, any amount less than 100% down to 75% within that bill too. So it actually increases the amount of flexibility. It does not reduce it. It increases the amount of flexibility? Yes, sir. It's not a requirement. It's an option. So these pictures here that you claim are not compliant actually are oh, because yes. they're more than 75% is within that bill to range. Right, and that's, that's what our concern is that if we need we need something less than the 75% in the 40 to 50% range, something that gives us variety in our elevations. Uh, you know, if you do 100%, you've got a flat line, right? Correct. Okay. If you do 75% on a 40-foot house, you have a 30-foot that you're only, that you, okay. you know, that's what's confusing is, you know, we have builders sitting there trying to figure this out and we can't quite understand it. So that's one of our concerns, is the 75% rule. We recognize that the garage, front-loading garage ordinance is in effect, and we respect that right now. We'd like to change it when the new ordinance is developed, and we'd like to work with the Civic League and the Planning Department to do that with some compromises, maybe setting the garage back further on the house than on the plane of the house, probably eight feet so or so back. But we recognize that even if you didn't pass this today, we can't build a front-loading garage. We understand that. That's an effect. Why it was neglected, we don't know. We're not at fault to do that. We brought our plans down to the city. They were approved, and we built some houses with front-loading garages. 
that's a fact of life. I'm sorry that that happened, but that was um, something that you know slipped through the cracks. But we understand now, right now, that that's an effect, and we can't build front learning garages. In moving forward, we want to work with the city and with the Civic League to come up with some sort of compromise. You know, to get into the details, the problem with the garages set back in the back of the property in the corner of the property as a front loader is very awkward for someone that's buying a house. It's unsafe. It promotes vandalism. Let's say the uh, husband is working late at night. The wife comes home from work. She can't pull into her garage safely to enter her house because the garage is back in the back corner of the lot. So these are things that we have to consider and buyers consider. I recognize that putting a garage flat to the front of the house is not attractive, and we don't want to do that. We want to come up with a compromise where we can pull that garage back. So these two issues are still up in the air with us, and we're trying to work it out with the planning department and with the Civic League. We were given very short notice on this, unfortunately. We weren't involved since last, was it August, I guess, when it was brought to their attention. We weren't brought into the, in, in, into the working of this. So we just got this notice about a month ago, and we've been scrambling since then, and we've had two great meetings with, with the staff and with Civic League, and we'd like to continue with that. We'd like to have that opportunity. We've got a great number of builders in Norfolk that are building fine homes, and you know um, they're, they're bringing the values of the houses up in this area. Uh, I, I think this is a mistake to force this down our throat at this point. Thank you, sir. You have any other comment or are you asking a question? That's all my comments. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Wallace, if you'd like to speak, sir, now's the opportunity. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Paul Wallace, Wallace Brothers Homes, uh, 2525 Oconee Avenue in Virginia Beach. And uh, I'm just going to read a brief statement, but before that, I'd like to clarify a few issues that have already been raised. Uh, as to the when work started, no text was available in spite of multiple requests from the TBA and local builders until the morning of the last planning commission. So we haven't seen anything to work on until that day. We've been working diligently from that day to this to engage the TBA, local builders, all stakeholders, civically. Uh, secondly, on the background, as presented by Mr. Tahan, I do not believe that the original intent of the 12 to 15 foot front yard had anything to do with preventing front load garages. I've never even heard the issue mentioned until it was first brought up by the Civic League. I believe it was to preserve the streetscapes in Park Place, which are urban and have this houses located close to the street. Uh, otherwise, the R8 and R11 would typically have a front yard setback of, I believe, 25 feet. If you drive through Park Place, you'll see this jagged sort of thing that occurred before the PPRO. Uh, the 63% number of homes that will not comply with the PPRO is based on the number of homes built under the PPRO since 1999 that did not comply with that interpretation that all planes must be in this 12 to 15 foot range. Can you clarify uh, then? Because Yes, sir. I took that from... Yeah, that's 63% of the new homes. 63%. Not 63% as presented earlier of the entire neighborhood. Not 63% of all homes in Park Place. We haven't done a survey of that. It is many, many of the existing okay. homes Just wanted Park to get Place. that clear. Okay. Thank you. Including, okay. Uh, and that we got the 63% number from the survey done by plan, uh, good survey. And one last thing, the 75%. Uh, as you said, it does that change. If the policy were accurate, that all planes must be in the 12 to 15 foot range, and it's never been applied that way. It was 
it was applied that that was simply the foremost front surface. If those claims were accurate, then the homes in that book do not comply. And I can go through any of them, each of them, and explain why they don't. Those, that book is new homes, old homes, different sections of the vast Par Place residential overlay. It encompasses thousands and thousands of lots built over over a century, different styles and types. And if you have any questions about them specifically, I'd be glad to answer them. I haven't cleared that up. I'd like to read my brief statement if I could. Uh, the Civic League requested that front load garages be prohibited in the Park Place residential overlay. There was much discussion about exactly how to define a front load garage and what such a prohibition should cover. Many in Park Place want a compromise uh, similar to the one proposed for Huntersville, allowing sensible and unobtrusive attached garages recessed from the main facade. But to date, planning has not uh, worked on such a compromise. I think a good example would be the house at 122 West 27th Street in your book there. Um, in the end, planning has offered only a complete ban of any attached garage facing the main street. Planning said there is a need to clarify the current PPRO interpretation, and to do so, they have included language in today's proposal stating that 75% of the facade must fall within a 12 to 15-foot setback. If this was the intent of the current PPRO, then by the, own, by the city's own count, roughly half of all homes built under this ordinance since 1999 failed to meet that law, and I don't think that's an error. I think that looks like policy. Uh, no one outside of planning has sought such a clarification. This whole conversation started with the community requesting to limit improper garages in Park Place. Uh, I'd like to point out this is the Facebook place, uh, page for Park Place. And there are um, none of the homes shown here, including their profile picture, would be permitted under the old interpretation of the PPRO as presented today or under the new ordinance. However, when one Civic League member asked on this page, would any of these fit in the new PPRO, the site's curator responded, if you're asking if these homes would be in compliance with the new PPRO amendment, the answer is yes, all four of them. And there are many more examples like them in Park Place. Unfortunately, this simply is not true. None of these homes would be permitted under the revised PPRO. And it is the planning department's assertion that all of them were allowed to be built in error. There is still enormous confusion in the community about what the ordinance says and how it will, will be applied. The community is rightly proud of these homes. The building of homes like this should be allowed to continue in Park Place. There is still a lot of confusion surrounding this ordinance as presented, and I am asking you to vote no today so there could be adequate discussion and a new workable PPRO can be drafted. Thank you, sir. Also here against this application, Jesse McCabe. Good afternoon. My name is Jesse McCabe. I live at 220 West 36th Street in Norfolk, Virginia. I am the current chaplain of the Civic League. My concern is of the front-loading garages. Every time that I've seen a presentation on it, it's been of a garage that sits in front of the front plane of the house. The best example is on the 500 block of 36th Street. That house does not belong in our neighborhood. However, our vote at the Civic League was based on that same presentation. Garages that sit in front of the front plane. If that's the case, then that vote does not represent what's being talked about here today. And that's all I have to say. Thank you, sir. The chair also wishes to acknowledge Jeffrey Wallace, who's against his application, does not wish to speak. You haven't had a change of heart, have you, Mr. Wallace? 
<laughs> We're into the rebuttal phase now. Those in favor of this application, Mr. Johnson, um, if you have any comments to refute anything that's been uh, comments that have been made already. The Park Place Civic League President, I was at the meeting where this vote was taken, and I've heard the comment that we did not make direct reference to what is being said now, and that's why they would like to stop this. This vote was put on the floor. It was discussed by the voting members. It motion was made, and it was properly seconded. And the motion was no attached garage in Park Place. And the vote of the majority was in favor of that. And that's where it ended. And as for anyone saying that it did not occur that way, we have the minutes that can show that from the secretary and the other officers who were present who will also note that that is what's happened. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Uh, for those in favor of this application, uh, you still have additional time if you want to make any comments to refute those comments against your application. Ms. Patterson, if you'd like to say anything, now's the time. Thank you. Um, just wanted to briefly say, Park Place is like every other community where 100% of residents aren't going to support something. Um, as we discussed today, we've been going through this since August of 2016. And we've opened, uh, we've had open forums. We had Bobby DeHaan come before the Civic League and do a 45-minute detailed presentation on garages, the variations of it, defining a garage. Um, we posted on Facebook. We posted on um, Nextdoor to make sure we get an, um, su sufficient feedback um, and information to neighbors to make sure they know what's going on. Um, as we've kind of seen today with um, the representative from TBA, that there seems to be um, a misinterpretation in terms of what the text is saying. But the constant here is going to be planning, and planning's interpretation and enforcement of the text. And that's what we're really concerned about, and that's what we have been working with diligently with planning to figure out how is this going to be interpreted. Because builders are going to come and go. They have different skill sets and experience. They may interpret this, this differently, but it's going to be the, con the consistent and constant enforcement by planning that's going to make a difference. I do, again, support this text amendment. Um, as you've seen, there are errors that have occurred in Park Place, and I believe it's going to give us a strong framework for future development. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Patterson. Presuming there are no further comments from those in favor of this application for rebuttal purposes, we'll move on to rebuttal for those that are against this application. Mr. Wallace, Mr. Viola, you have five minutes. I'd just like to say I strongly support uh, revision of the Park Place residential overlay. We strongly support the preservation of the historic nature of that community. My family goes back there a hundred years, lived, worked, worshiped. I want to see Park Place maintained. But uh, we also strongly support strong enforcement of that, as Ms. Patterson said. We just feel that the current language is flawed. Uh, as for Mr. Johnson's comments about the 
vote. We were voting members of the Park Place Civic League that night. We were involved in the discussion. And I raised the point of the definition of the front load garage. This has been a point of contention all the way through. As it was explained to us originally, the Civic League saw a front load garage as a garage that the front door of the garage is in front of the main facade of the house. It loads in the front. The Civic League, in all of our discussions, supported our home at 122 West 27th Street. It's in your folder there. That has an attached garage. As a matter of fact, we've never received any opposition to it other than it, uh, from planning in these discussions. So that point was brought up before that vote. And I was personally assured in the open session by Mr. Johnson that it was the intent of that ordinance as written, the prohibition of attached front load garages in the Civic League, that it would be enforced only with reference to garages that sat in front of the main facade of the house. When I said, I don't think that's going to be the intent of the city, he said, no, that's my assurance. And we have to vote tonight or we don't get a say in this. So it was also my understanding at the point that that issue was separate from the entire PPRO rewrite, which is being conducted under the CZO rewrite for the entire city. And I said, why not delay it till the whole thing's done? But there is definitely a question about the front load garages, as Mr. Jesse McCabe uh, brought up here. I'd also like to point out, finally, just how much confusion there is about the PPRO as written. This is Mr. Johnson's house. It has a flat front. It's a beautiful home. It will not be permitted under the PPR rewrite as shown. Reason being, the street has an angle to it. You can't put that house on those, that angle parallel between those two property lines mm -hmm. and still have all the facade in the 12 to 15 foot setback from the front yard. It has to run at an angle. That house would not be permitted, even though it's a simple, attractive design. As a matter of fact, this is Broadway, this is this triangle, Broadway 33rd and Omohundro. Seven of these 10 houses will not be permitted under this language. It really just needs to be discussed, worked out with people who actually build houses and people in the community who have their opinions. We would strongly support that. We want to see new language. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Lowell, there's still some remaining time. Yes, thank you. I'd just like to summarize by emphasizing we recognize that the ordinance as written today, as in effect today, without a change, we can't build a front-loading garage. We'd like to work on that with the Civic League and the Planning Department. That's something we'd like to have the opportunity to do. Our other concern is the 75% rule, which is the only thing that you're really voting on today because the front-loading garage is not permitted anyway by your ordinance at this time. So we're a little confused by that and I get confused. I'm a builder. I can't imagine what it's like for the layman if he's trying to understand that. We had people from the Civic League telling us they didn't even understand it and they didn't even know it was going to be put into effect. So we're just, all we're asking for is the opportunity to work with your Civic League and your planning department for 30 days, just 30 days. Get this thing right the first time. Let us do it. Let us show them examples of what we can do, what we can do right for the neighborhood. That's, that's all we're asking for. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Comment from commissioners, questions? Um, I, I guess I'd like to add just to clarify one more time. What is a current ordinance state about the setback of the house exactly? What is it? Is it, it must be within 12 to 15 feet? Is that what it states now? Bobby. Mr. 
That is correct. So the current code in 11-27.2 where it says front yard requirements says front yard shall be a minimum of 12 feet and a maximum of 15 feet in depth. So um, again, that's a, essentially a build to line. You have a minimum and a maximum where the building has to be located. Okay. And uh, the 75% rule that is being discussed here, could you clarify that? The, the rule is to allow for a understanding that 12, being within that three foot range was probably not, I guess I'm to stop. <laughs> uh, um, was not probably giving enough architectural design elements. So we added a portion that would allow for some portion of the building to recess. It's not moving away from the current requirement of 12 to 15 feet. We were just trying to provide some flexibility. Okay, so uh, does that maintain, is it 12 feet and that 75% rule would allow to be further back from that, what are we what are we saying exactly? So seventy five percent of the of the front facade of the building has to be within the twelve to fifteen foot range, while twenty five percent of the building is permitted to have a different offset from that. Thank you, Bobby. Any other questions or comment, commissioners? Um, it it is my pers my personal perception that there is a disconnect between. Um, what the builders are saying and what is really trying to be done here today, which is to clarify uh, the, 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 the statute as is, not to change, but to simply clarify the language. It is not prohibiting further discussion on it, but at this time to clarify the language as the uh, Civic League uh, would want. Um, the property at 122 West 27th Street has been brought up as an example. It's this, it's this one. Uh, that, that this would be prohibited. Could there be some discussion of, could staff comment upon this? Yeah. I mean, if you, so, yes, if it has an attached front loaded garage, that, that residence would be pretty, right. yes. Under this ordinance, okay. You know, if you, if you go back to the original language, when this came up from Park Place, Bobby and I drove the community. We looked at every house in the community. We found that if you read the ordinance, it talks about a maximum and a minimum. The presumption under that should be that the entire house sits in that three-foot range. And we found that there were quite a few houses that did not. Several of those were under NRHA's days. Often it would be a, a house that you find in that book that would be very attractive and compatible with Park Place. It did not fit in that three-foot range. So if we take the word 75% and flip it around, 25% of the frontage of that house is being recognized as able to be closer or further back than the three-foot range. That was what we were trying to clarify. Uh -huh. So I believe that if they look with the 25% potential, some of the 63% that we're talking about of the new homes probably fall into that because we were recognizing that those houses had been built and they had greater differentiation than the three-foot range that was set up in the original text amendment. Um, let me, uh, another clarifying statement from my perspective, Lenny George, or any member of staff, 
fundamentally, uh, what we're saying, uh, the Civic League does not want front load garages. The building community is saying, okay, we understand that. Um, so in no way does adding this wording preclude further dialogue about what needs to fit in that neighborhood. Am I correct in that? Mr. Chairman, you're absolutely correct in that. Um, and um, both Mr. Sharp and I have committed to the TBA um, that we want to continue working with them as on, on not only the, the single-family traditional, but every component of the, um, the zoning ordinance that we are, are developing and, and hope to have done by the end of the year. Um, so, you know, this is a perfect um, point for, for future conversation um, as it relates to um, the new zoning ordinance. Thank you, George. Any other comment, question at this point, commissioners? Hearing none, Mr. Newcomb? All right, the motion before you is to recommend that the zoning text amendment be approved. Mr. Hales. Uh, a couple of quick comments. First, um, I'd like to commend the Park Place Civic League. It's not many times we see neighborhoods coming forward to to uh, improve the ordinance to help the neighborhood get what they want. So that's a, that's a great thing. Um, from what we've heard, uh, what I've heard today is garages are currently not allowed and it has not changed at all. Uh, the houses currently today have to be set back 12 to 15 feet. Um, this change actually gives more flexibility to the builders today. If you were to bring a builder permit today that's outside of that, you would be sent away. So if nothing else, over the next two or three months, you have a little more relief than you would otherwise. Um, so I, I encourage the, some continued dialogue. I'm certain, hopefully, the community will listen to you. They want to certainly sell houses and, and build more houses in the neighborhoods. So hopefully, they'll, they'll take your advice through. But from today's standpoint, I, I see no harm in passing and getting this through. Um, and then hopefully, we'll see you back either before the zoning get rewrites gets implemented, or if you guys come to agreement beforehand before that. So for those reasons, I vote aye. Ms. Austin. Uh, I want to concur with what Mr. Hale has said. I do not think that uh, this precludes uh, any conversation to uh, discuss uh, uh, the necessity for building homes that can be sold. Um, I think that the uh, TBA uh, can come back to the table with enthusiasm about their point of view to discuss it in concert with uh, the association. And uh, I think this language uh, gives necessary clarification. And I hope that everyone hears the latitude that is within this that has been discussed uh, by staff. So I vote yes. Mr. Halchins. <clears throat> I, I want to uh, echo uh, the sentiments in, in uh, commending the Park Place Civic League for, for uh, being adamant and uh, clarifying uh, an ordinance that was already in existence but just needed some clarification with the wording. Um, I, I, uh, I, I also, I think it was Ms. Bond or uh, the young lady who came forward and, and uh, suggested that, uh, it, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to go down this road, but, but code enforcement is, is as much necessary as creating new ordinances and new uh, uh, text amendments in order to clarify something that already exists. Um, I want to also, you know, challenge the uh, Tidewater Builders Association to continue to um, provide a great product that you've obviously proven that you've done in the past and something that would be compatible uh, with the neighborhood. 
Um, I'm glad that we, we did point out that it's not front load garages that, that the Park Place community is against. It's the, uh, it's the attached front road load garages. So um, this in no way prohibits uh, the, the builders from moving forward with, with building a product that does have uh, a front load garages, but, uh, the prohibit, uh, but it, it does go further in clarifying the prohibition of attached garages. So with that, I vote aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Aye. Dr. Newman? He'll echo the other comments made and vote aye. Mr. Fraley? I vote aye. Thank you. All right. Next item before us is uh, continued so. item number two, City Planning Commission for the following applications. Number A is amend Chapter 4, Residence Districts of the Zoning Ordinance to include single-family traditional uh, B is a change of zoning from R8, single-family district, and residential compatibility overlay uh, RCO district to single-family traditional. This is uh, pertaining to the neighborhood uh, defined as Huntersville. Uh, thank you, Lenny. Here to speak in favor of this application, Ms. Carolyn Latham. Carolyn Latham. That's you. I'm sorry, ma'am. Good to see everyone. I'm in favor of this um, this transition. Um, we work very hard uh, on our Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't give us your, your name and mail address. My name is Carolyn Jean Latham. I live 1819 Braces Street in Old Huntersville. And um, I'm for this uh, transition, this change in our community. Um, we, um, as um, um, the committee to come to our neighborhood. They didn't come to us. We asked them um, to come to our, um, we have a lot of vacant lots in our community and we want to build our community up um, through our strategic plan. And um, we are really excited about the change. And uh, we love the planning book. We're really excited about the planning book. Um, I have a house and I'm thinking about um, giving my house to one of my daughters and waiting for the houses to be built by one of the houses. <laughs> so I am asking on behalf of our civil leaving our community for the committee to say yes. And, uh, and I thank Bobby and his team for all the hard work and working with our civil lead to make this happen. And um, we, they did come out again to our civil lead to, um, to help those who didn't, wasn't, too sure about what it meant and everybody was on board and the gentleman that did not live in our community but did have a uh, property there he came out as well and uh, he understood and it was just exciting to see the plans again and get more understanding and I'm um, just asking for a yes vote and I and I know I'm gonna get it because I prayed about it <laughs> so I thank you so much for listening Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much, Ms. Latham. Also here in favor of this application was not wish to speak, Ms. Chapman. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Ms. Chapman, for being here. Lenny, there is no opposition to this application. All right. The uh, motion before you is to uh, recommend that the zoning text amendment and the change of zoning be approved. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Yeah. 
In my short time on planning commission, I've never been as enthusiastic about voting for something. I vote aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. We certainly look forward to what can evolve from this uh, application, so thank you for your diligence. And I ask you to keep a finger on the post and make sure we head in the right direction. Thank you. I vote aye. We're now going to move to the regular agenda. The item before us is number one. It's by City Planning Commission to amend uh, Section 11-3 of the Floodplain Coastal Hazard Overlay Districts of the City Zoning Ordinance in order to clarify uh, requirements for accessory structures. Lenny, and there is no opposition to this application. All right. The motion before you is to recommend that the zoning text amendment be approved. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. All right. Item we'll, two. We're going to move to item two. This is Monument Development 7 LLC for the following applications at 529 West 24th Street. A is to designate the existing structure as a Norfolk historic landmark. And B is to grant a special exception for multifamily development, seven or more units on the site. Thank you, Lenny. The chair wants to acknowledge a uh, representative of the applicant uh, here to ask questions, Mr. Alan Sullivan. Thank you, Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Chris Johnson. Thank you both for being here. There is no opposition, Lenny. All right. The motion is to recommend uh, approval of the designation of the Norfolk Historic Landmark uh, designation and to approve the special exception subject conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. All right. We will move on to item number three. Hank's filling station for the following applications. A is a change of zoning from R8 uh, single family to C2 corridor commercial for the property located at 810 43rd Street. B is a special exception to operate an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages at 4301 Collie Avenue and 810 43rd Street. And C is a special exception to operate an establishment for the sale of alcoholic beverages for off-premises consumption at 4301 Collie Avenue and 810 43rd Street. Thank you, Lenny. Uh, there is no opposition to this application. The chair will acknowledge Rick Hen. How you doing, Rick? Do you like to share anything further with us? Uh, my name's Rick Hen. Two hands. Uh, 1400 Granby Street, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, the applicant <clears throat> asked me to bring up this question, so I'm bringing up this question. On the restrictions, there's one of them that, uh, that y'all brought up very, very seriously. It says that uh, no smoking in the, uh, in the outside area. And uh, the outside area in this one here is, is like 6,500 square feet. And he wanted to have a designated area so people could smoke a cigar or something because you know they're playing games and all. And he asked if we could change that part. Just thought I'd ask the question. We appreciate well, that smoke actually stays contained in a small area that you define on the ground. I can do that. 
It does, doesn't it? It just yeah. stays right there. But you know, <laughs> it's behind his own restaurant. He owns a block. But and, and I understand why you have it there, and, and I've talked to Doctor Tuman. I understand, you know, why that restrictions there, and, and but usually um, an outdoor um, area is not as large as that, you know, and it's not really a dining area as as, as much as a sit down table dining area. It's, it's a social area more than anything else. It's kind of like uh, where the torch is. Rick, you, you uh, do recognize as the uh, applicant's representative that Dr. Newman is sitting to my immediate right. Oh, well, I've talked to him. Yeah. I already know the answer. Right? <laughs> 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 so, I know the answer. I, my job is to ask the question. He specifically said to ask the question to see if he can get it done. Because, yeah, man, I appreciate you. you certainly doing the work on behalf of your client. Because I understand he, it. You know, he follows the rules. You understand? Right. He follows the rules and wants to make sure the rules are right. And, and if that's the rule, then he'll follow the rule. He just wanted me to ask that question. And I understand why it was put in there. So, and, sure. so, so Dr. Dan, what do you think of secondhand smoke? What's well, your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I, I think everyone on this commission certainly knows, and I think even on council is well aware that you know I, a major mission of mine is the is the health and well-being of our uh, of our city and of our uh, of our our folks that live in the city. Um, I don't want anyone to be subjected to uh, smoke that doesn't choose to be dining or, or elsewhere in the city, and so that's that's sort of a mission of mine. I think it's been based uh, pretty well and solidly in medical evidence, which I do know a bit about. So. Um, you know, obviously, I, I feel strongly that we're heading the right direction with this, and any of these new applications are going to be are, are going to be under the same exact playing field that this application will. Can't speak for ones that are out there now, but I can tell you that if any establishments do come back through and need, um, you know, need to either renew or make changes to their special exception, they're going to fall under this as well. So, um, I appreciate your efforts, Rick. Always appreciate the hey, fine I understand. work you do. I just, you um, know, I said I. And for paying attention to to a lot of my initiatives, so you certainly know yeah, that. You know, the thing is, I do that. But you know, the thing is, it's credibility. I'm not going to say I did something I didn't, and I wanted to make sure. Thank you, and I understand how y'all feel. But you can go ahead and vote on the other stuff. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Uh, Lenny, there is no opposition to this application. The uh, motion is to recommend that the change of zoning and the special exceptions be approved, subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Um, I'd just like to say to Mr. Hen, all kidding aside, we hope that you will send our condolences to the applicant on the loss of his family member, and I vote aye. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? We vote aye. Make that recommendation to the council. Thank you. All right. Item number four, Spinks Builders, LLC. Uh, for a special exception for multifamily development, seven or more units at 4334 through 4350 East Little Creek Road and 7905 through 7919 Turner Road. All right. Uh, I know that you didn't specifically ask for a presentation. We do have one member of the public who signed up for questions. So for the benefit of the public and any questions that may be asked, I'll do a presentation real quick. Um, but this property is located at the very uh, eastern end of East Little Creek Road, where it terminates at Turner Road. Um, the picture that you see right here, uh, just to the um, left, out, right out of view, is Shore Drive. And that's the intersection of, of East Little Creek and Shore Drive. And that is uh, the McDonald's right there that you see. And then the, um, the condo project under construction that you approved a little bit ago, a year or two ago. 
So this project is by uh, Sphinx Builders, and it is a request for a special exception for multifamily. Um, anytime uh, in the R11 and R12 district, uh, someone asked to build more than um, six units, it does require a special exception permit. So that's the, um, the reason for this request in front of you today. And the request is to redevelop the site to accommodate six, uh, 26 townhouse style multi, uh, multifamily um, units. And the R11 zoning district that it's in right now, given the size of the property, um, would allow nine single family homes to be built by right. And then, like I said, no more than six multifamily units on the site without a special exception. Um, and this site, um, I know we've gone over several different iterations with the Planning Commission and, uh, and had it revised several times. Um, so I'll just cut to the chase of the different changes and that a, a letter of concern was received back in November um, that we spoke about. And that was from the Navy, uh, the Little Creek uh, Fort Story base that you, that's right there to the south of the site. So in that letter, concerns were addressed at the time that related to stormwater flooding in the uh, vicinity of the Navy-owned stormwater infrastructure and increased traffic volume near Gate 1, uh, which is their primary gate of entrance there, uh, particularly in regards to the possible expansion of this portion of Little Creek Road, East Little Creek Road that terminates right by um, Turner Road which is about a, a 12 to 14 foot wide single lane one-way road as it goes past the McDonald's site there. And here's the zoning for you. And then I'll talk about the site plan. Um, but the applicant chose then in November to withdraw that original request and, and redesign the site. So I'll talk about some of those um, design changes. The redesign <coughs> proposal removes all vehicular ingress and egress um, access from East Little Creek Road. So it directs all traffic to the Turner Road um, entrance and it routes vehicles to the signalized intersection of Shore Drive and Dunning Road. Um, this modification reduces the congestion that would have otherwise been increased at the direct intersection of Shore Drive and Little Creek Road if East Little Creek Road had been expanded to accommodate an entrance on that side. Um, the proposed density was reduced to uh, by 16% in order to further address the traffic volume concerns. And the applicant has agreed to an additional stormwater condition to address the localized stormwater flooding concerns expressed by Jeb Little Creek Fort Story. Um, and that reduces the permitted stormwater flow off of the site by an additional 5% above the maximum quantity permissible by state law. So in response to the proposed modifications, uh, as well as the additional stormwater condition, a revised uh, letter of concern was received um, from the United States Navy commanding officer of JEB. And the um, revised letter indicates the, the previous concerns regarding localized flooding. I think that's um, very important to them. and They just want to make sure that we recognize that's important to them, um, although we're going uh, a little bit above and beyond with the condition that we've added. And, um, and then still has a concern regarding any increase in traffic volume. And that revised letter does ask for the city of Norfolk to conduct a traffic safety study um, moving forward at that intersection of Shore Drive and East Little Creek Road. I think that from a general overarching standpoint, since the Navy has seen um, piece by piece a little bit more development going on in the area, uh, like I said, this um, condo development that you see and uh, new apartment proposals along this stretch of Shore Drive between Little Creek and um, East Ocean View Avenue, and they've also seen their own increase in 
daily traffic as they've increased missions uh, on that base and have uh, more more jobs and more vehicles coming to and from gate one that they do want us to look at a possible traffic study of that intersection moving forward and we've already started talking with public works and and seeing what we can do to um to to work on that and uh and present that information as we go forward with future uh, projects and proposals so i'll just read through a few of the conditions that will be placed because this is a special exception request we do have the ability to uh, impose some conditions that the we've worked with the applicant on and they agree to um, and that is that no more than 26 units shall be provided uh, that the site shall be generally designed in accordance with a conceptual plan that i'll show you right here and that the site shall be developed to reflect the general massing materials fenestration and design elements as shown on the elevations which this is the front loaded side and then this is what we call the rear loaded side but this is actually the side that faces all the external um, streets mm -hmm. so little creek road turner road will be seen this side that does not have any uh, garage doors driveways um, but actually has front doors that have walkways. You can zoom in right here. You see walkways coming to the front, from the front door to the sidewalk. Um, presents a very presentable curb appeal to the to the neighborhood throughout. Um, and we will have some. I'll just read through the condition about the curb gutter and sidewalk in just a second. And that is that right of way improvements shall be made along the Turner Road and public. Uh, shall be made along the Turner Road public right-of-way, including curb gutter infrastructure sufficient to meet the minimum standards required by the Transportation Division of Public Works, and that a sidewalk with a minimum width of five feet shall be provided along East Little Creek Road and Turner Road uh, public rights-of-way sufficient to meet the minimum standards, and that if any fence or wall is installed along the East Little Creek Road or Turner Road public right-of-ways, and located between the building and the public right-of-way that those fences and walls shall not be higher than four feet tall and shall maintain a transparency of 50 percent or greater the reason for that that condition is just to make sure that as um, individual tenants or um, you know uh, property owners move into these units that they won't then decide to take that public uh, public right-of-way um, uh, space that right there and turn it into sort of like a backyard with a six foot solid fence and it doesn't even interact in the same way with the sidewalk that it was intended for so that's the purpose for that condition and then also that uh, a minimum of three off-street parking spaces shall be provided for each dwelling unit uh, in addition to the shared parking which is located um, in the internal spaces that you see there um, so the parking requirement for a traditional multifamily complex in this part of the city is 1.75 per unit. So we're going um, requiring a lot above and beyond with three spaces per um, per dwelling unit. In addition to the curb, gutter, and sidewalk right-of-way improvements on Turner Road, which now will allow on-street parking on Turner Road, where right now people are really just parking in the grass, uh, which is a kind of a problem there. And that I'll just I'll just skip on, and it says that the um, we do have the condition about the stormwater reduction and then on-site lighting shall be directed and shielded so as to not cast glare into any adjacent residential properties um, and that all landscaping installed on the premises shall be maintained in a healthy condition at all times so with that staff does recommend approval of the revised plan um, as presented and we did receive a letter of support from the East Ocean View Civic League 
given all of the revised changes that they've made to the plan, they do now support this plan. Uh, and that letter is included in your packet. So any questions, I'm here to answer. Any questions of Mr. Simons? Matt, can you tell me again, why are you requiring three space, parking spaces per unit? Um, I think there's just a general concern in the vicinity that there are a lot of multifamily units already around the area. So we just wanted to make sure that um, we were not going to create any excess um, demand or, or, or any excess uh, demand on the Put it easier. They, right they designed it into their plan. Okay. You know, yeah. And it is in a place where you have a lot of off-street parking because of the narrowness of both Turner and Little Creek. So if you've got guests or, or people visiting you, it's more accommodating to have them on the site than off. I mean, this wasn't something we twisted their arm on. This was uh, a combination of working back and forth with them. Mm -hmm. okay. And they have sufficient like land to do it. Yeah, because they've got the space. some of that parking downtown. No, I want some pervious uh, <laughs> surface is what I prefer. Well, they're doing over and beyond the stormwater requirement for this. Um, you know, the parking is actually inside the development, the, the road pattern of what they're doing. Um, this has been through so many iterations. It's actually a, a very good compromise. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And uh, if we may celebrate as, we, as he leaves the speaker's stand, this is his last day being 31 years old. To address Mr. Murphy's comment about the necessity for previous papers, we did uh, propose that as an alternative. Uh, Public Works Stormwater Division was concerned about the ability to maintain properly previous papers, and they preferred an option to have additional um, on-site containment of the water uh, as a better solution. So that's how we ended up at the additional 5% above the minimum standard as required by Public Works. Okay. Any questions of either Matt or Bobby, uh, commissioners? Hearing none here uh, to answer questions with regard to this application are Michael Lancaster, Rick Hen, Rodney Flores, Thomas Retnow, and to a gentleman, Mr. Jack Bryan, you have any questions, sir? Did I get your name? Is that Brian, sir? Thank you. Hello, my name is Jack Bryan. I own the property at 7918 and 7920 Turner Roads, almost directly across from the entrance to the property. Um, Mr. Bryan, if you could give us your mailing address. My mailing address is 4401 Blackbeard Road, Virginia Beach, Virginia. It's just on the other end of the Amphib base from, or the Joint Expeditionary Base from this base. Mm -hmm. um, my family has owned this property before the base was there. Uh, back then, we didn't see a difference between that area. It was Princess Anne County, and I live in Bayside Borough, but we chose that end of the base to live on at the time, and that's where we are. This was my grandfather's property, uh, and uh, he, has, he had strong ties to the military uh, community. Uh, we've owned property in Norfolk uh, and in Virginia Beach, uh, not as mega millionaires or anything like that, uh, just common people trying to find a place to be. Um, in this regard, you're looking at, it's pristine property. Uh, it was a farm field before Miss Amory owned it. Um, if there was, and uh, 
a man, gentleman named Cook on this property. Um, the stormwater con uh, drainage is a concern. I'm putting that forward now because I want the council to know about it. Uh, that area has had flooding in the past. Uh, Dunning, uh, the street Dunning, has been uh, flooded towards where the military base is. My back lot uh, used to where the uh, fence joins to the amphib base, and this is in regards to the letter the Navy sent to, uh, to the planning department, was once a Toulouse ditch. It was about 20, it seemed like it was 20 foot wide or 30 foot wide, uh, large enough so that uh, tanks and such couldn't cross it, and uh, deep enough and mucky enough. It was filled in by the Navy uh, with a drain pipe put in there. Uh, our concern is that if you can see from, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not a, I don't speak all the time like this, but uh, this map, uh, if you could help me with that. Right. Um, our, our basic concern is that the drainage has been taken care of enough that it just doesn't meet the state requirements. It's that I don't see sheet water coming across onto my property. My property hasn't been developed. It has one house on it. Uh, it has a back flag lot. I like it that way. I like having property near a marina complex. It's one of the reasons that I like living in Virginia Beach and Norfolk. Um, the, we have never been able to rely on the Navy in regards to that ditch. And now that it's a pipe, we haven't been able to rely on them to keep it the way in, with enough capacity for what it does. And it, the street, since the neighborhood has received paving, has continued to rise in elevation. So if you go in there and look at houses, and one of my, my house is one, my garage level is below street level now. So when, if water flows off of that property to the adjacent neighbors, I'm one of those adjacent neighbors. I'm across the street. It's going to flow into the street. I won't have curb and gutter on my side of the street. That water is going to go into my property. And it's going to come as sheets. It's going to be the entire rooftop. It's going to be the entire parking lot, and it's in a in a uh, what is it? What do they call those? Fifty-year storm, hundred-year storm. It's going to be a lot. We've had enough of those lately. I don't know if they're 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 just uh, severe. They come as squalls. What I want to see is a little bit of concern from the planning commission to the planning department to address those issues. I don't want to see these people who've purchased this property and want to develop it to be stopped. I don't think that little corner is going to solve the problem. They have addressed their point of contact drainage within their requirements. So I'm kind of just saying, yeah, I don't want to be affected by their development to a point where I'm flooded. So I would like to see the planning department address drainage in that area for all those concerned, we've been one of the last groups put in this. Now, why? Um, we were in Bayside Borough, Princess Anne County, and this small little pocket was traded 15 years ago with the city of Norfolk and the city of Virginia Beach for those issues with the Diamond Springs Road um, property that's behind the airport. You became the tenants of it. In the past, you've always been that. We've had people going to school who, or even my, my cousins went to school when they stayed on Turner Road in Norfolk. But we always had to ask Virginia Beach for, that was where our titles were listed. 
So it's a little trade going on here. Y'all are the, are we, the city of Norfolk, are the tenants and uh, in charge of this. We've got, we're right by Little Creek. I mean Little Creek, not the amphib base. I'm talking about the creek. There's drainage concerns. Now the laws are telling us we can't just dump it right into the water. We're losing point of contact. I know you've addressed these issues at East Beach. I know you need, you'll be addressing these at every development. It's got to be looked on, at on a larger scale than just this one guy's drainage going into joint expedition, uh, joint expedition base. And it, the drainage for his needs to be enough. What about the whole street? Mm -hmm. uh, I think your planning commission people will be better at answering those questions than I am. Thank you. Thank you. Before you leave, what was your address again, sir? 4401 Blackbeard Road, Virginia okay. Beach, Virginia. And the property you're concerned with in this application? 7920 and 7918 Turner Road. Okay. Uh, it's across the street from the, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. from the entrance. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see the property where 7917 yeah. is I'm where the entrance is uh, dumping out. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bobby, you wanted to respond. His concerns are, are well founded. There, there is localized flooding here, has been uh, alluded to by the uh, by uh, Jeb Little Creek. Um, again, for this individual development itself, it is required to meet all state and, uh, and local stormwater requirements. So, uh, all of the impervious cover on the site is required to be stored and treated. Take a look at the site plan. He does have it. They do have it shown. Um, right now going into uh, either dry or wet ponds uh, to store the stormwater, and they'll have an additional capacity as required by the condition in the special exception. Uh, there probably is a larger discussion that needs to be held with Public Works. Uh, Dunning Road has, um, has ditches and is just uh, has no curb and gutter. And there is there has been concern about the capacity of the pipe you mentioned um, that was used for stormwater flow. So uh, pub I believe Public Works Stormwater is aware of it. Um, when this was brought to their attention from the beginning, there was concerns about design and connecting to any said pipe. So I think that'll get addressed in the site plan. I, I know it'll get addressed in the site plan review process accordingly. Bobby, can we ask that you champion uh, this particular avenue it is to make sure that there is adequate consideration for this gentleman's concerns with public works? Yes, sir. Uh, and keep us apprised so that uh, we at least know that there's some serious consideration going forward with that. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Lenny. The motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Uh, aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make the recommendation to council. Good luck. All right. Item five. Item eight. number five is Patina's Blessful Home Daycare for a special exception to operate daycare home with up to 12 children at 7400 Spartan Avenue. And there is no opposition, Lenny. All right. The motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? <clears throat> yes. Mr. Alchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. Item six? Item six. Adams Outdoor Advertising for a special exception to permit an outdoor advertising sign. Billboard at 1200 through 1280 North Military Highway. 
Okay. Good afternoon. Um, so this is a request by Adams Outdoor Advertising. Um, the site is located on the east side of uh, North Military Highway, just south of uh, Princess Anne, where that runs into Northampton Boulevard. Uh, across the street is the uh, Home Depot, and it's actually uh, at the tip of the site of a Wells Fargo. Um, there is an existing uh, billboard on the site now. The request is for a special exception. They want to uh, upgrade the existing billboard and turn it into an LED-style billboard. Um, the site is zoned C2, which is corridor commercial. It allows uh, outdoor advertising signs by special exception. Uh, and again, this is a special exception to uh, allow for the replacement of the existing billboard with a updated billboard. Um, this is a photo of the existing billboard. Uh, the billboard that is being proposed um, will be uh, actually 22 feet back. The requirement in the zoning ordinance is 20 feet back, so currently this is non-conforming as to setback. It's only 14 feet back, so the new billboard would be conforming. Um, the uh, current billboard is almost 600 square feet in size. This proposed uh, billboard is 219 square feet less at 378 square feet. Um, so it's a much smaller billboard than the one proposed. It still will be a two-faced billboard. Um, staff is recommending that the, uh, the application be approved. Uh, again, it's an existing billboard. We get a smaller billboard that conforms to setbacks. Uh, it is an update, updated billboard. Uh, and the conditions that we have are uh, the billboard shall be no taller than 27 feet in height. <clears throat> excuse me, and have no more than 378 square feet per sign face. The side shall be set back no less than 22 feet from North Military Highway. Uh, landscaping around the base of the sign shall be the equivalent of the square feet of one sign face. Uh, the billboard shall be self-dimming and the brightness shall not exceed 0.5 foot candles from a distance of 200 feet. Uh, the dwell time shall not be less than four seconds per message. And finally, there shall be no uh, animation. So with those conditions, staff is recommending that the application be approved. Any Thank you, uh, Susan. Any questions? I, I do have one question. It, is, that's the existing billboard. Correct. Are you? Can you point out exactly how much further back from the road? Well, if that helps. No. Not an aerial. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> so if that, you know, that one's that one's fourteen now. So you're going to get an, an additional seven feet or so back. Actually, eight feet. I sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Any other questions of Susan? Kathy? No, I'm sorry. I was just looking to get angle changes, too. Thank you, Susan. It's more. Um, uh, point of personal privilege here, the chair failed to acknowledge on that last application, mm. regular agenda item five, and Miss Patina Bergen. I guess she must have been an applicant. She didn't hear her name and left, I guess. But we did want to have her in the record, Patina Bergen. Uh, with regard to this application, uh, item six, Steve Romine. Good afternoon, Chairman Fraley, members of the Planning Commission. For the record, my name is Steve Romine, local attorney uh, for Adams Outdoor with an office at 999 Waterside Drive, Norfolk. I have with me today Brian Roser, the real estate manager for Adams Outdoor as well. I'll be brief. Uh, we're requesting that you um, recommend approval of a special exception in order to replace an existing static billboard at 1200 North Military Highway with a digital LED billboard with two faces. 
Uh, Susan covered most of the detail, but essentially what you need to know is that we are uh, moving from non-conforming to conforming. It's currently 14 feet off the, off the right of way. We're going to 22 feet. 20, 20 feet is the minimum required. Uh, we can go up as tall as 35 feet, but we're restricting our height this billboard to 27 feet. Uh, the property is owned by a nonprofit, uh, National Development, so the income and lease payments will continue to flow to them. Um, it is uh, consistent with the comp plan and it's compatible with the surrounding community. Uh, it actually reduces the total billboard faces by 216 square feet. Uh, the conditions are acceptable and I would stand by for questions. Steve, one of, the, one of the questions I had is we had two of these electronic billboards throughout the city now. Uh, and at the time we were uh, debating on those two uh, one of my concerns was that we wouldn't have a proliferation of these types of billboards around the city. So I guess my question is, how many more of these you got in the harbor? My understanding is that it's very difficult to meet all the requirements uh, necessary both by the company and by the locality regulations in order to, to build new billboards or replace billboards. So I think there are a very limited number of situations where we can actually convert and also market demand from uh, our customers drive the conversion because it's very expensive to go from a static billboard to an electronic billboard. Mm -hmm. So Mr. Fraley, I can't tell you specifically how many more, but I think there'd just be a handful at most and they wouldn't be coming that quickly. Mm -hmm. So um, Adams is one of a couple billboard providers in the area and they are converting and or installing LED technology in other communities as well. The other thing I should point out is it's a tremendous opportunity for the community for public service as well. The Amber Alerts, the 911 uh, situation with weather. Uh, we also have a lot of uh, public community service with the SPCA and others. So it's a real benefit to the community and also um, is, is cutting edge kind of state-of-the-art technology uh, that the communities are embracing. So to answer your question, I don't have a specific plan, but I know it's not a whole lot. Thank you. Any other questions? Comment? I, I do have one yes, question. Sir. When, when you say cutting edge, will this one have a, a, a solar-powered component? No. No, this one will not be solar. So it's not as cutting edge as solar. <laughs> <laughs> but you can program them remotely, you know, okay. and change the faces. All and right. so uh, with our, um, our partnerships with the FBI and others, they can actually, we have an agreement that when there's a need, they can actually automatically take over the billboard site with these emergency uh, uh, messages. So okay. that's why I was really indicating. It's not the flipping yeah. uh, kind of technology. It is LED. Okay. So, yeah. I've seen some of the billboards where they're, they're beginning to install these solar panel things. And while they may not talk about it? Uh, look as... as um, I'll let Brian come up and give you two minutes on that because he's the expert on it. So, okay. Brian. Um, introduce yourself. Brian, give us your name and mail and address. I was going to call your name next anyway. You saved me the job. All right, thank you. Uh, my name is Brian Roser. I'm the real estate manager for Adams Outdoor Advertising. We have an office at 5547 East Virginia Beach Boulevard in Norfolk. And thank you for inviting me to answer your questions. All right. So the question was about the solar technology. Yes. Um, right now, we don't have solar technology that can power an electronic billboard that I know of. Um, and... With the LED technology, what we've actually seen um, on our interstate units as the generations of LED 
faces have progressed that they use less and less power. So some of these LED digital billboards that are lit for 24 hours a day um, actually use less um, energy than static billboards, meaning the traditional highway signs with the lights, the halogen lights that uh, reflect light off of the vinyl surfaces. Okay, yeah, I, I've seen some of the, um, I guess, more uh, advanced billboards that, that do have the solar power, and I was just wondering if this one had that feature. Um, mm -hmm. The second question I had, uh, just in Susan's presentation, it, it something just jumped out at me. It, the, the billboard is now further away from the road. It's a little smaller. Have you have you all done any studies on, on what type of um, potential traffic uh, accidents occur from a driver's attention to those billboards? Mm -hmm. um, there has been plenty of studies that have done. Um, my understanding is that the latest one by the FHWA has been inconclusive. Um, as far as driver distraction, there is no evidence that, um, that I've seen that electronic billboards have contributed to greater driver distraction. Uh, that's part of the reason why there's a condition there on dwell time and no animation, because those are some of the features that are important to the distractibility. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. I, I see yeah. the, the, uh, the improvements that it is, obviously, to the static billboards, mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, obviously gives the, the, uh, the, uh, you guys an opportunity to market more, more for more clients. It's just you know, the fact that it's further away from the road and much smaller than what's there just you know, kind of just yeah, made me think. It's about eight it feet further underneath the setback. It's mm -hmm. not tremendously smaller, but, okay. you know, and it has a two faces. So it's very readable, but meets all the safety standards that are imposed both by the industry and by your local ordinance. Um, Thank you. Yes, Ms. Ross. Uh, yeah. May I ask what that standard yeah. implies? Does it imply an image that can change, but does not change rapidly? Yes. Um, uh, Mr. Hutchins? Houchins. Houchins. Thank you. Apologies. That's right. Um, Reference the dwell time of four seconds, and um, that comes from state ordinance, uh, state regulations um, on, on outdoor advertising signs. Our doesn't, right now our system is set up so that it doesn't uh, dwell for less than eight seconds for each advertisement. Right. Um, the idea is that it doesn't change too rapidly, um, and that also benefits um, the advertiser too. So it, there's no running text. It's simply the image comes on, the information with the image, eight seconds changes another image with text. Correct. It's a completely static image. Very good. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We would ask that you recommend approval. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Any other question or comment at this point, commissioners? Any there is an opposition to this application. Motion to recommend that the special exception be approved subject conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation, Council. Good luck. All right. Item number seven, T-Mobile for a special exception for a commercial communication tower on the roof at 608 East Little Creek Road. Ms. Pollack? Okay. Um, this is a request by T-Mobile for a special exception for a communication tower. Um, the site is located on East Little Creek Road. Uh, you've got Tidewater Drive just to the east, so this is just to the west of Tidewater Drive on the north side of uh, East Little Creek Road. Um, there's a, a facility called Aaron's at the site, and there's also a laundromat. Um, 
Again, the site is zoned C2. C2 allows uh, communication towers by special exception. Um, so this is a request for a special exception. Um, right now, there is a, um, a vacated sign structure on this roof. It hasn't been used for a sign for quite some time. So what the applicant is proposing is to utilize that sign structure, which is approximately 20 feet tall, and put antenna on the sign structure. Um, we still uh, deem that as a communication tower, and we did require the special exception. Um, this is the facility that is the structure. Um, again, the building is about 22 uh, feet tall. The tower extends. Uh, 20 feet up, and you can see the, uh, I call it an array of antenna uh, on the sign structure. Um, as with every special exception, and I, you've seen some of the other ones, we, um, we require that uh, the site comes into further compliance than it is now. Now, that doesn't mean total compliance, but every application we push for some sort of further compliance with be it uh, public works or zoning uh, or stormwater. In this instance, uh, the applicant did meet with uh, transportation and they um, requested that uh, a driveway that is located on the corner of Van Patten and uh, East Little Crow, I should say, towards that intersection, uh, be closed. And you can see the landscape that was added, that was added uh, in part where that driveway was. So two improvements would be uh, the closure of that driveway as well as landscaping. Uh, both for um, aesthetics, but also there's not a green space on the site now, so that gets us a little bit of stormwater. Um, so with those improvements, um, staff is recommending that the application be uh, approved. Uh, we are getting more and more uh, of these requests for the lower level uh, towers. We're not getting a whole lot of requests now for full-size uh, communication towers. Um, we're looking for infill towers now. We felt like this was a good use of an, uh, an improvement to the existing uh, sign structure that hadn't been used but was still there. Um, we feel that with the improvements to the site um, uh, that staff could uh, recommend approval of this application. Uh, any questions for me? Any questions for Susan, commissioners? Okay. Thank you, Susan. I'm here to speak for this application. Uh, is the applicant or a representative? Mr. C.E. Forehand. C.E. Forehand, 219 Sir Oliver Road, Norfolk. Um, a couple of unexpected things happened uh, during this project, and um, obviously T-Mobile needs to increase their coverage over here. Uh, first of all, I, 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 when I originally proposed this, I, I figured it would be a rooftop installation, would be uh, administrative approval. Um, like most roofs are, but I guess the, there's a, a problem with some of these signs that um, that um, we have to file for a special exception. Um, T-Mobile doesn't have any problem with the conditions, it's, and they'll pay for them, the uh, uh, closing of the driveway and the landscaping. However, the property owner during this process relinquished their support of these conditions, so they're not going to allow us to uh, close the driveway or do the landscaping I think because primarily they're concerned with traffic flow in and out of the center um, and you know it's hard enough to attract retail customers um, and they believe that this is going to detract from the customers being able to access the facility and then the landscaping um, would uh, hinder uh, just visibility as far as um, drivers coming in and out of the site. It's a busy street. So um, unfortunately, I cannot um, uh, 
build those improvements at this point in time um, because the property owner is not allowing me to. Um, and so basically I'm here for any other questions that the uh, commission may have. You do want to proceed with your application as presented? Yes, sir. What is your expectation of this being being revised? Um, right now, I can't revise unless the property owner changes their mind, basically. Um, so I, I, you know, T-Mobile agrees to they'll pay for the, you know, the upgrades. Um, it's a matter of um, the property coming back and saying we've had, you know, we're not going to agree to. Um, any of these, I think it. I think it's um, the the. We also had the uh, property line yeah, and that issue that we had to uh, resolve. So when I went back to them for that, they said we're not doing any of it. Mm -hmm. um, we had to make this one property, take that property line out, and they. You know that that one is a straw dog. Yeah. Uh, at all at all occasions, that's just to clear up something that they ought to do on their own. Yes, sir. Because the property has got property lines running through the building. We just said, please take them out. That doesn't really change the appearance of the property or make life any better for anybody except for the applicant's property or the owner's. Mm -hmm. But this other part is important, and I don't want to be standing at council with us having to explain that we now oppose it because you all have failed to achieve any of the, of the requirements. Right. And I understand that at this point in time that I my hands are tied as far as being able to make the improvements. We're willing to pay for the improvements, but I'm not being allowed to do that. Mr. Forehand, I, I just listened to your comments. You have undertaken a dialogue with the property owners, indicating to them that you will do the improvements with regard to the landscaping and et cetera. Yes, sir, absolutely. Okay. And, and so now I guess what, we, what you're asking is for us to give you the go-ahead to go proceed with your tower without the ancillary request that we had with regard to improving the site. Just some clarification there. Um, it's not a tower. We're attaching antennas to an existing structure. So I, I, I do have, a, you know, I do have an issue with that language because we are. It is a rooftop installation. That's that was my original thought. So we're attaching antennas to existing structure. I just that's just. You're at the dance right now. Yeah. Uh, you came to the dance. Right. I'm, uh, I'm here. Okay. And if, arguing about being here isn't really helpful. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. But. Yes, sir. I want to proceed with this and ha have a vote, basically. Mr. Yeah. Chair, can I ask a question? Yes, sir. Um, have you already executed a has T Mobile already executed a lease with the property owner? Yes, sir. Okay. Is the lease contingent on getting this approval? It is. And is the property owner prepared to lose the lease to save the existing parking lot condition? They are. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yep. You got some time to work, uh, potentially work it out before that, council. I mean, that's, that's about this. I understand. And, and I'm, I'm prepared to accept the denial if that's what the case may be. Um, yeah. Well, if we vote to approve, it's not necessarily a denial. It just means no. the conditions remain. Sure. And mm -hmm. so that right. provides some incentive right. for the um, landlord to um, uh, get on with it. Agree right. the changes. Right. Any other comments you want to share with us, sir? No, sir. Any I other? Have one, I yes, ma'am. Go right ahead. Did the, you talked about when you went back to um, clean up the property lines? Is when they said we're not doing any of it. Had they agreed to do the uh, landscaping in the street and the uh, drive closure prior to that? They had. 
well, put it this way, I'd sent the drawings to them and um, they had not disapproved it. They ha hadn't really given me an answer one way or the other. Okay. So I proceeded as is. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit gray area, but, you know, they didn't say stop this application. When I called them to get an answer for this property line and the other conditions, mm -hmm. that's when they said okay. pull everything. Uh, might you, might you uh, consider an opportunity to continue this so you can have a full dialogue on this issue? Now, I've, I've had full enough, so I, I don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> well, you just said that it was kind of a gray area. It was suggested to me that maybe well, everything was, wasn't properly clarified. They, just, they gave me the drop dead at when I presented this, and, and I had to, you know, I kind of had to run them down in order to get that answer from them. Um, so there was no, the, you know, we have the authority to, to move forward with that. We're under contract to move forward with this application. Um, with the all the changes, you know, when, when I finally got all, you know, with this one, this final change, that's when they said, no, forget it. We're not doing any of it. And, you know, I'd already presented the, the changes to them before. Um, and we had the, we have the rights to, to move forward with the application. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, but, but again, um, um, I still want to proceed as is. We'll consider it as, mm -hmm. as presented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't want there to be a misunderstanding. I think Mr. Um, Murphy was thinking that if the application's approved with the conditions, then um, that might still leave an opportunity to either do the tower with the conditions or not do the tower. But I asked the questions I asked about the contract because don't exactly know the wording of the contract, but if, if an approval is given to something that T-Mobile can't unilaterally, unilaterally follow through with, like completing the improvements in the parking lot, they may have an approval that counts for purposes of their lease. So they may be stuck with a lease because they got an approval, but they can't complete the conditions because they don't have exclusive control and possession of the driveway. So. So without knowing how the lease is worded, it might be the case that if T-Mobile knows they can't do this because the property owner won't allow them, they might not want an approval mm -hmm. because that might be the only way to get out of the lease. So you're recommending they review uh, this with their council before we get to city council? Without, or without knowing what the lease says, I can't come to a conclusion either way as to whether an approval is going to change their legal status of, of whether they can walk away from this site or not. I'm comfortable with the termination language in, in our lease. I, I negotiated the lease for myself also. And what does that language say? Um, I can't, we have a lot of termination rights um, for approvals from various, because we're here for an approval, but we, are, we also have state approvals, we have federal approvals, um, and so we're, we're basically covered, um, you know, for, for Obtaining all of our approvals, all of our governmental uh, approvals. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm 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 okay with you know with with the uh, contractual obligations. Yeah, yeah. good. Fair enough. Fair enough, young man. Right. Thank you. Any questions of Mr. Forehand? Comment yeah. at this point. I, I just, yes, just, sir. Just for clarification, if we were to move forward with this and give a recommendation as submitted by staff to City Council, then the then the conditions that we're asking for are as stand. Is that what we're saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Mr. Nuka. The motion before you is to recommend that the special exception be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. Austin. No. Mr. Houchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Shelton. Yes. Dr. Newman. Aye. Mr. Fraley. Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Thank you. All right. Next application is the Rosemere Corporation for a special exception to permit mixed use at 758 West 22nd Street. And we'll acknowledge that there is no opposition uh, to this application. Here to ask the questions is Mr. Robin Thomas. How are you, Robin? All right, the motion before you is to recommend approval of the special exception subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. All right. Next item. Sounds like the last item. <laughs> the Rosemary Corporation. For a special exception to permit mixed use at 430 West 21st Street. And there is no opposition, and the chair acknowledges uh, Ms. Robin Thomas is here to answer any questions. The uh, motion is to recommend approval of special exception subject conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Ms. Excuse me, Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. Good luck with that, Robin. We'll make that recommendation to council. Item 10. Item 10. Cold Press 2 for a special exception to operate an eating and drinking establishment at 1902 Collie Avenue. Uh, no opposition to this application, Lenny. The motion before you is to recommend approval of the special exception subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Thank you. The next 11. item is sanctuary for a special exception to operate an eating and drinking establishment at 109 Addison Street. Thank you, Lenny. Here uh, in support of this application is the applicant. Uh, Trey Hanna, like to share anything with us, Mr. Hanna? It's, it's Trey Hanna at 9444 Wells Parkway in Norfolk. Um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to bring up just a small little thing, and I'm not trying to open up a can of worms about anything. It's just a, it's a, the application has wording, and then the, uh, the, um, uh, the, what I'm signing off on, the conditions, uh, there's a little inconsistency with regards to entertainment. It says that on the application, will, outdoor, will indoor or outdoor entertainment be provided? Entertainment consists of anything more than one unamplified musician. I'm going to have a little outdoor deck. I'd like to have the opportunity to have an acoustic player and maybe a bass player along with maybe one of those guys that sits and hits the drum on a box or something, but not a full band. In we your don't have conversation a dance floor. when you applied for this, you were explained yes, sir. that that's a different application. Yes, sir. And it, this is. And you didn't then, apply for that different application, did you? 
Well, yes, sir. No, sir. I think the answer is no, sir. You did not. C correct. No, sir. I did not. But well, you're, you're shifting gears now. I mean, we'd be glad to process a new application for you. No, sir. I would not like to do that. I do not want to delay this process at all. I'm definitely on timeline. I just want to make sure I'm compliant. Entertainment consists of anything more than one unamplified. So one amplified, unamplified musician is essentially entertainment. Is what I'm one, saying. One amplified, one unamplified musician. Is not require a special exception, and it doesn't it considered entertainment. But then there shall be no entertainment. I'll just you know, you know, no, no, in you, the conditions. You, you get that right. Okay. Okay. I just wanted some clarity on that. That's all. So. Well, did you well, get the clarity? Yeah, did you, you get, get the clarity? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm sure, sure I got clarity. It's uh, okay to have one guitar you can have player, a, I guess, kind of thing. One right. amplified and then one non-amplified. No. No. Mm -hmm. no one unamplified is not considered entertainment. Okay. So when we, when, we say, when we say he can't have entertainment, it just means he can't have anything more than one unamplified. Device. Right. Okay. It, entertainment is specifically defined in our zoning ordinance. So although it may not be capitalized in the text, it is a defined term, and it does not include one unamplified musician. Okay. Acapella. Yeah. <laughs> Eating and drinking. Uh, uh, Mr. Hanna, you get the answer you're looking for? Uh, yes, sir. Absolutely. You can have the guy playing the box. You just can't have <laughs> yes. the amplified person. You can't put a mic on him. Correct. Okay. Preferably acapella. <laughs> okay. That's all I had to say. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you very much. Uh, there is no opposition to this application. Mr. Newcomb. Motions recommend that the uh, special exception uh, be approved subject to the conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Houchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. And Mr. Freely? Uh, good luck, amplified or unamplified. I vote yes. Number 12 is Palm Gardens 2 LLC for a special exception. Operated entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages at 5957 East Virginia Beach Boulevard, Suite 10. Thank you, Lenny. The chair acknowledges that there is no opposition to this application. Here in favor, but do not wish to speak, Mr. Ray Palmer. Yes, sir. Uh, Oswald, help me with the last part. Thank you, sir. And Mr. Robert Hux, thank you all for being here. Uh, no opposition, Lenny. The uh, motion to recommend that the special exception uh, be approved subject to conditions contained in the staff report. Mr. Hales? Aye. Ms. Austin? Yes. Mr. Halchins? Aye. Mr. Murphy? Uh, thank you for spending the afternoon with us. I vote aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? Aye. We'll make that recommendation to council. Good luck. All right. Number 13, Norfolk Terminal LP for its closure of portions of Springfield Avenue lying east of Ford Drive and a portion of Poppleton Avenue lying east of the above described portion of Springfield Avenue. Thank you, Lenny. There is no opposition to this application. All right. The motion before you is to recommend that the streets be closed subject to the retention of any necessary easements. Mr. Hales. Aye. Ms. Austin. Yes. Mr. Halchins. Aye. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Shelton? Yes. Dr. Newman? Aye. Mr. Fraley? 
I, good luck, we'll make that recommendation to council as well. Um, that concludes our public hearing agenda. Uh, Mr. Melita, anything you wish to share with us? No, sir. Mr. Homewood? No, sir. Um, commissioners, any comment? Hearing none, we stand adjourned. Thank you. <clears throat>